0: Hi, this is Joe Rand. I'm excited I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find details at Inman.com.
1: This is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. Have you ever thought the MLS can do more? And particularly during these times, step it up, you know, reach high, dig deep and deliver the goods for agents, particularly this summer. I call the dog days of the 2020 COVID summer. And I have someone here today who has stepped up uh, on my podcast. Her name is Emily Chenevere. Do I have it right, Emily? You
0: got it, yeah, good job.
1: Welcome, Emily, always good to see you. What's happening?
0: Thanks so much, you know, we're just hanging out in Austin, Texas, still in our homes.
1: <laughs> there you go. Like but, um, we're all equal, aren't we?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's sort of, that is interesting. Yeah.
1: We have a commonality of, of, of suffering, if we want to call it that, and some more than others. So I don't want to it's just you know, there's a lot of people really suffering who are sick or have lost family yeah. and others that are struggling economically, but let's get right to it. I kind of put a challenge in the opening and you and I chatted about this ahead of time. Yeah. MLSs like yours are doing some cool things, but what can we challenge the MLSs to do that they're not doing? Um, yeah. well, you know, kind I, of above and beyond, cause I know at Inman news, we got to go above and beyond this summer. We can't pat ourselves in the back for Brad having a podcast or delivering great news or doing a virtual conference. No time to pat ourselves. We're, we're trying to figure out every, what else can we do? And I feel like MLSs are well-funded, lots of staff, people, a lot of resources sitting on a mound of great data. Um, what are some things you and I can concoct here in this podcast to deliver to the MLS community to really make a you know a bountiful contribution during the dog days of the summer? Any ideas?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think access to data is obviously more important than it's ever been in the sense of you know, consumers pre-COVID had a lot of access to traditional market metrics and they were able to analyze the market in a way that made sense for them. But now there's this layer of total confusion that's erupted from the last eight weeks and they're gonna need more context and a deeper understanding, which can really put agents in the driver's seat if agents have access to data in a way that is tactical and tangible. And traditionally what they get out of an MLS system is not always really malleable. It takes a lot of manual work to contextualize it and understand what it means and it shouldn't have to be that way. There should be an opportunity to access the data that is most meaningful to both agents and consumers Um, and access that in a means that is, you know, digestible right off the bat. So I think Emily, by the the way, way, I think that's right on.
1: I think that's right on because I know I buy real estate and I, you know, sell occasionally. And uh, usually you kind of know where the market's headed, you know, kind of talk to your neighbors and talk to some realtors and look at Zillow, I guess. But right now I think people are really confused because the market's confused. And I couldn't agree more with you, data is the only way to relieve us of that confusion. It won't necessarily predict the future, but tell me how, like if I was in Austin and I was in a realtor, and what could we do together? Maybe there are vendors that are layering this that I can just tap into and get this analysis, but let's let's just tell the all the realtors listening, uh, what could they do now to get access to that invaluable MLS data because you got all the transactions, all the listings, all these other layers of fields. Uh, And I know it's not easy sometimes, but let's just provide some takeaways and tips. Here's what you might do. Here's how you might call up your MLS CEO and have them teach you how to do it. Or here's a vendor that's layered over much of it. Any ideas there tactically? Yeah,
0: a couple of things. One is, you know, reactionary agents at the start of the COVID business asked us to stall out on days on market. And most markets didn't do that. And that was good. That was important because we need to be able to mark the period that we've just been through. So you need to use the lag and days on market as an opportunity for a conversation starter with your consumer about what's really happened. I know at least in Austin, we were so woefully under capacity for the amount of demand that we have. And then people pulled listings out of fear of you know, leaving their homes for a period of time that we were even more under capacity. Wow. And prices- hey, let's
1: walk through that, Emily. I didn't really understand the days in the market controversy. And I think some of my listeners don't either. What was that controversy all about? Who was inspired to do it and why Why did some people go along with it? it, did, it I mean, did it make it look on- like a house was struggling to sell or what was the deal?
0: No, it's, it's days on market are a metric that matter to consumers. They've grown accustomed to looking at that as a metric that says this house is selling quickly and effectively or not. This yeah. house is priced right or not. And but days on market should lag when everybody is literally by regulatory means stuck in their home. So if right. we just pause that out and act like that period didn't happen, we don't have any history of what actually occurred in the marketplace.
1: Who wanted to remove it? What was their inspiration?
0: It it agents. I mean agents who were getting pressure from their clients. And that those are fair. I mean Everybody was reactionary at that time, right? Like it's, it's literally an, an unknown and uncharted territory. So I, I, I think it's fair for them to react to a client reacting but I'm proud of the MLSs like ours that did not because we need to be able to mark what actually occurred. And now that we're gonna go into summer where things are reopening and we're starting to see activity pick up again, I'm glad that agents are gonna be able to sit in a driver's seat and talk about what happened and talk about the fact that days on market is not the only metric that matters. So help provide that context for your client. Days on market is but one metric and it's not the only one that matters when you're assessing the value and speed of a marketplace.
1: Gotcha. Now how about accessing the data? What are some ways agents because you know they're not spreadsheet junkies generally uh, that'd be like asking me, you know I have someone that works for me that does it, but I don't you know I'm not very good at that. Is there a way they can access it directly or is that too painful? And then are there other ways and I don't want to I don't want to beat this horse to death, but I, I think you said it and I think it's so true. Any other tactics around this one?
0: It's, yeah, it's painful is the truth and we all have to do better, me included. It's, you know, there to, to look at, because you should look at week over week, but you've got to look at that data in a year over year context or you're only looking at what just occurred. Yeah. And to do that is a fully manual process in Matrix, the leading MLS system in the country. So we have hey, to do a better job of pushing both our own MLSs to lay access to that data in a way that's more powerful. And we have to push our vendors to help partner with us on that. And I think they will. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think about is that most of the consumer insight data, so how many times a consumer accessed the portal, what their interactions were specifically, are all held by the vendors. They're not held by the MLS. Interesting. So I think we need to see it some, some opening to that previously gated data so that agents can access what was really happening the portals the same how many yeah. people were voyeuristically looking because their pantry was too small while they were stuck in their house yeah how many insights can Pretty they fun. provide agents so that they'll be you know more in tune with what consumers are really thinking and feeling i think yeah. we all perceive that there's fear and that's fine but i think there's also a lot of pent up excitement about yeah. what a new home could provide them because they've been stuck in the one that maybe wasn't meeting their needs.
1: Well, you know, it's, I keep saying that, I, you know, the big word hyperlocal, I was always like, oh, that's a big, stupid word. But I, <laughs> God, do we understand hyperlocal now? We're all stuck yeah. in our house. That is about as hyper as you can get. And then I think we spread our wings a little bit, right? Maybe to our family, but even that, I haven't seen my grandson. He was born in the middle of this um, but we spread a little. And, and then, you know, like my, my local realtor has been amazing being in service, you know, not sales with me and, and Yaz. And then I think you skip from there to a national data set that's not hyper local at all. And people like Inman News are trying to interpret it and publishing it. And what I've known going around the country in all these Zoom meetings is every market, as we've always known, it's so different. So it would seem that that local data is such a good hyperlocal partner with the agent. Let's move into other areas. That was a great one, Emily. That was right on. And let's challenge the MLSs to figure out with vendors to give better insight. This summer, the sellers and buyers are going to be confused and they need hyperlocal MLS local data. What are some other things looking into the summer and the fall? that we should challenge your colleagues to do more of? What's some things that you've experimented with? What would you like to do? What's on your wish list?
0: Yeah, yeah. I really wanna push uh, our vendor partners to continue to innovate on the front of virtual showings, virtual tours, all all things virtual, because I expect that we're gonna be back where we were in the fall um that's intuitively based on my own experiences and yeah. knowledge of what's happening but but i think it's going to happen and i think we should be better prepared shame on us if we go into another shelter in place without better tools without an improved platform and a way to empower consumers and agents to do the business that they need to do
1: so i love I really it. I hope that we standards. spend the summer
0: are, are, are there
1: solutions on virtual too clunky um yeah. They, need they are to be
0: consumer driven. So the way that I think about that is how could I uh, drop ship something to my client that enables them to help prepare the imagery that's needed to put together a slick virtual tour that's professional and appropriate for our business? Because there should be a time that I'm not visiting their home. Now, you know that that's the extreme. That's when we're in the worst of times and we truly should be full-on sheltering in place, but why can't I empower that kind of activity? If I can anticipate that it's coming, we ought to work now to make that happen.
1: Are they hard are these are hard technologies to use and then a clunky consumer experience hard for the agent? Like I know I got a beautiful virtual walkthrough of my house here by an agent when we thought of renting and it looks, you know, from the from the bird's eye view, it looks really cool. But when I get yeah. into it and I start moving around, I can't get out of the living room and get into the hallway. It's, it's awkward. Like, and I can't tell. Easier.
0: Yeah. And I can't tell. I mean, that that walkthrough should feel like a real walkthrough. Exactly. Intuitively in the manner that we move in, not this, like, awkward i'm running through the wall like casper situation it needs to be defined like a defined path we know how we walk and then they say they put a
1: little number there 360 and i know what it is but like i don't really need you to keep reminding me really like get rid of that crap actually give me some information like on this side Give me the square footage of the room I'm in.
0: Correct.
1: Put some data in there.
0: Contextualize it. It needs to be layered and it has to have context so that it feels like a lived-in experience remotely. Hi, this is Nikki Beauchamp, Global Real Estate Advisor at Engel & Volkers in New York City. For 25 years, you've been coming to Inman Events to connect. Now, Inman is coming to you June 2nd through June 4th. Learn more about connect now at inman.com.
1: I love that. So we got to push the vendors. Get your shit together, guys. Deliver a better consumer experience and a better. Let me ask you this. Is the word you're hearing from your customers, which are agents, they believe in virtual walkthroughs now. They think it's the right thing. They need them, right? I think think half of
0: them do, half of them don't. I mean, there's still those that feel that their business could never be fully conducted virtually. And I think that those are just folks who are just invested in the way that they've always done things. But those who are gonna thrive and continue to survive are the ones that can see a future that looks different than today. And I think that's true always, but it's more true now than it ever was, especially if we can anticipate that there's going to be another bump of the road potentially, you had better get on board with what's gonna change.
1: There you go. Let me ask you this. What are some other things? Oh, here, let me tell you something that happened recently. I was interviewing someone who was telling me that it's within mostly the title companies in many states that have so much power to make so many things digital. For example, I interviewed the founder of Notarize, and he said, if the title company adopted, not just necessarily his company, but any company so that you can not have a notary public probably come to your house um, is the solution to it that the, that the uh, title companies have all the power. Once they adopt that, then it relieves the consumer of having to touch or be around any human being. It makes it easier to close a transaction. Um, could the MLS, I mean, all those You know, all of those title companies show up at your events and they're always hanging around. I I think agents ought to start smacking these title companies across the head and say, hey, listen, you you adopt some sort of, you know, remote digital, not remote even. I don't want remote. I want a digital notary solution. What do you think of that? Does the have any power there?
0: Yeah, well, in my experience, you're smacking the wrong person. The title companies are willing to go virtual, but it's the lenders that still oftentimes require wet signatures. Yeah. And that requires national level advocacy. So for NAR to continue to directly work through, especially the government-backed loan, loan providers, to, to allow for digital signatures is what will smooth the way for that. It's possible, but it's the lender's choice more often than not uh, whether a digital signature can be allowable or not.
1: It was funny. He the the notarized guy said it was a title company, but I think it's both. I call the when mortgage he's their
0: competitor, that. so of course he said that.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, yeah, I never thought of that. That's a good point. Um, you know, I call the mortgage the Freddy Krueger of real estate. We need to get rid of Freddy Krueger because it's oh, a horrible, it's rough. For yeah, boomer and for the. Let's look locally. What's another thing on the advocacy front locally, city hall, county that you're seeing right now? You all need to get done, and, and how do we? inspire the local MLSs around the country to, you know, get off their duff and move local government to, to the right actions related to housing.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you the, the thing that we have spent the most time on, especially in the last couple of weeks, are tenant and landlord issues. Mm. Investors and landlords cannot afford to float their property with no rent forever. That's yeah. not an option. And when evictions have been foregone, um, there are uh, payment forbearance programs where they're allowing for rent not to be um, delivered. There, Texas is not a state that allows for rent control, but the local continues to find the way in to allow for that. It's it's serious. And it's the deal is you're kicking the can down the road in terms of the impact. It's right. damned if you do, damned if you don't. I fully understand that the renters are not always capable of making the payment, but the landlord is not capable of floating that property forever. And foreclosures will do nothing but negatively impact the market. So we're spending so a lot of time talking thing? about, are they,
1: are they tend to be more sentimental towards the tenant because.
0: absolutely, Yeah. They, they have no regard for the, the landlord is big, bad, and ugly. And it doesn't matter if the landlord is grandma, whose retirement was built on owning rental property, or if it's Amley who owns thousands and thousands of apartments, they're they're all the same, at least in Austin, Texas. And I find that to be true in most um, parts of the country. But what we're trying to do is advocate that some of that stimulus money that's coming down to the cities be left out for the landlord also. There are tenants who will game the system. Who will just not pay, not communicate, not be in communication with their owners, and they're they're not moving the ball forward in terms of collaborating about how to get through this time? And so there ought to be relief for that landlord also.
1: And that is now Austin's kind of like places I've lived, like uh, Greenwich Village and West Hollywood and San it's Francisco. they
0: blueberry in a red state, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's
1: probably most to do with the, uh, the political sentiment. I would. I mean, I don't know if that's going on in Nashville and Chicago and. I think that's
0: true, except that if you think about, you know, it's 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 a hard-pressed issue for an elected official to say it's okay for landlords to make movement on tenants at a time that tenants are not making money. And, and I, from a human perspective, I understand that, but they need to be woefully aware of the implications of that. Those properties cannot float forever.
1: Any other local issue? That's a good one, by the way, because you have so many client or you know customers that are either investors or owners or realtors that are owners and you represent investors just like you you know buyers and sellers at least your 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 customers do anything else on the local front or anything else as we as we wrap this up what's what's the challenge and uh, and by the way i your work has been amazing we just let out the word that uh, we were going to do some different types of innovator awards around you know courage and service and I think you got more nominations oh. than anybody.
0: Well, thanks.
1: Uh, hopefully you're on a final list. After <laughs> I, I,
0: I'm I probably that. paying those people, so that's good. <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding.
1: It was anyone. And, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget you were on our MAID stage and delivered a, just an amazing address. You've been a really fantastic leader. But to wrap this up, to challenge, and knowing there's a lot of good MLS leadership like you and many others, but what else could we challenge the big body of MLS local organizations to do knowing that this is gonna be a tough summer.
0: I think we need to take care of the whole agent. We're talking a lot about, you know, what's our obligation to help them with their mental health? How do I help them stay physically strong at a time that that is incredibly challenging? What, What obligation do we have to help them business plan? Whereas that's traditionally a broker's role, if the broker's not stepping up in that manner, how can the MLS and the association help enable that? Yeah. I think we're going to go hard on just really doubling down on the on the value that we provide in areas that we might have otherwise been tiptoeing around before.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but I think we owe them that because they're working hard, and many of them are still struggling. Some yeah. of them are doing great. You know, the, our market's still a really strong one. Thank God, we're we're lucky to be here. But it may not be like that forever. And if I can enable somebody to remain successful and thriving. Um, preparing to, to get into that fall season, that, that's what we're here to do.
1: I love it. Hey, Emily, keep up the good work. We love you at Inman. You've you're always been a part of the Inman community. And, and, and dang, I wish you could see Emily, as soon as she got on air here with me, she has this incredibly smiling face because I do <sighs> my video so I can make eye contact and I get so much energy from the people I talk to. Unfortunately, you all only get to see the audio, but that that big, bright smile and the confidence and, you know, you're, you've always you're obviously agile and you're quick to move and decisive and you have a great board. I, I know some of them. I, I think they're fantastic. So Austin, keep leading the way with with Emily in charge. And if you have everything you need from Inman, you let us know. Any last word for Inmanville?
0: No, we're excited. I mean, I think it's a great time to be a realtor. I think it's a great time to be in this business. And I'm really excited about a summer that looks different than the spring did. So y'all, y'all hang in there and make it work.
1: Thank you, Emily. This is Brad Inman checking out.